who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. That it is. I know that we test sound before we start recording every time, but still I use that opener as like a... As like a test. Like I'm right. always like looking to be like, does Do we it, look okay? Does it sound okay? I thought that you just wanted to avoid my gaze. Well, I don't want to intimidate you and then, you know, have you mess up the spiel. Yeah. That's what happens to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much for me either. I get one word off and it's like, uh-huh. we got to start over. thrown, entirely thrown. Completely thrown. Well... I think we're feeling as usual. We're feeling we're feeling tired, but we're feeling grateful to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's just one of those weeks. Like I'm just it's my periods this week and my energy is just real low. And I'm pretty much done with my period, but I'm still like sad for no reason. Aww. Like I'm still in that like real depressy, like every tiny thing I'm taking super personally. <laughs> oh no, I hate you know? that. And See, I that's always me before you know? my period. Yeah. And that almost sucks worse because I don't have any evidence for it. So I'm just like, why am I being crazy? And then like days later I get my period and I'm like, JK, oh. everybody, we're good. The fires have been put out. Yeah, yeah. And we're fine. There's a reason for my insanity. It's bad when you know though as well because it just feels like you're... You, you know you're being irrational, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, I. there's no reason for me to be this upset about, like, nothing, yeah. you know? But I am anyway, and I'm just like, well, this is where I am right now. So yes, exactly. It's all just about accepting where we are <laughs> at the time. So I have some really devastating news that I don't know if you have stuff written about this, too, because I feel like it's, pre- it's been pretty big world news would you like me to go first yes you go first okay so this was recommended by a listener actually as I was taking notes for this so I was like I know what you're gonna talk about yeah don't have notes on it but I did read up on it perfect we can both discuss it then um so I wanted to talk about the alleged uh 
murder of Masa Amini. On September 16th, a 22-year-old Iranian woman named Masa Amini died allegedly as a result of police brutality. I'll explain why I say allegedly. Uh, She was stopped by the guidance patrol who has been nicknamed the, quote, fashion police or the morality police Mm. for not wearing her hijab correctly. So the guidance police started as a way specifically to police hijabs. And I have it written somewhere. I want to say it was 2005 that it started. I just can't find it in my notes. Yes, they were developed in 2005 and they are known as a sort of vice squad slash Islamic religious police within law enforcement of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, And like I said, it was developed with the sole purpose of arresting women who improperly wore the hijab. The guidance patrol consists of a crew of men in a van who then send women out to busy public places to spot other women who aren't wearing their hijab properly, and they can go back and tattle to guidance patrol. And I don't have notes on this, but I was doing some more reading throughout the day, and guidance patrol is known for assaulting uh, people that are under arrest for, (laughs) you know, these offenses, quote-unquote, And they are known to be quite rough. And it's obviously mostly women that are being targeted in this because it was formed to police how women wore their hijab or if they were wearing it and so on and so so forth. Okay. I don't know. When they're arrested, are they're arrested and put in jail or are they just given like a warning? No, they're taken to another place where they're supposed to be like... I can't remember if they said re-educated or educated. They get like, yeah, what? they get like a talking to. So they get sent to like, they call it like the morality something. Are they held there? I don't have all those details, but I know I would assume because you are kind of, it's law enforcement. You're arrested and you have to go. So I don't know if this is like that something is... you have to do, but she was, they were planning on taking her there. But witnesses say that she was not complying with these officers. And so they started getting really aggressive with her. And she ended up smacking her head on the police car. And with this injury, she, instead of being sent to this second location, she was taken to a hospital where she went into a coma for the next two days. And police, the reason I said I'll explain the alleged part of it all, they made an announcement that she had sudden heart failure what? at the age of 22. Sudden heart failure and a stroke. There's also been some medical like scans that have been leaked online where they show uh, like a cerebral hemorrhage and, you know, things like that. So doctors who are just on the internet are like, no, this is, you know, conclusive with her getting hit in the head. And well, they do say that like, she was like concussed afterwards, you know? If she was taken to the hospital for a head injury, right? wouldn't it make sense that she went into a coma as a result of the head injury? Like it's Well, not- right, but they were trying to... Co- I don't know if they thought that maybe none of the medical records would get out because they initially tried to cover it up saying there's no crime here. She, you know, we brought her inside and she just like collapsed. Like we don't know what happened. And... Because of all of this, people were very, very concerned. She slipped into a coma for the next two days and eventually succumbed to her injuries. And her family wasn't allowed to see her. There's a a lot more information on that. That's really devastating. Um, The state of her body was just so bruised and beaten and terrible that her family knew, you know, that there was more to the story than what was going on. And it became 
not just a nationally known story, but an internationally known story very, very quickly. Protests began to pop up in her hometown of Saquez and outside the hospital where she was being treated. In the following days, protests spread to other cities, leading to streets being blocked off and violent police presence, lots of pepper spray going on, intimidation. And because you can't just let people dress the way they want to. Exactly. Like, that's so, or you're trying to enforce your particular set of religious beliefs. Exactly. On an entire population of individuals. Like that's what a dumb reason, yeah, for somebody to lose their life, and they're escalating it. Well, and more people lose their lives, unfortunately, because these protests became more and more violent. On September nineteenth, five were killed in Iran's Kurdish region when security forces opened fire during protests, and it happened at different protests. Like this didn't happen in one city. Two were killed in Saquez. Two more were killed by quote direct fire, and and I'm sorry if I mispronounced any of these names. I did my best. Divandera and another was murdered in Dengolan. One of these victims was a 10-year-old girl who was shot in the head. Absolutely disgusting. It's tragic. It truly is. On September 20th, women in Sari burned their hijabs in a large bonfire to cheering crowds. And this video of the event went viral online. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. I've been seeing Mm -hmm. it pop up on a lot of different Instagram accounts and things like that. And the protests haven't stopped today that we're recording. September 22nd, protesters burned police stations and cars. The hashtag Masa Amini is trending on Persian Twitter. And I think it's growing across, you know, international Twitter at this point. And women are sharing videos of themselves cutting their hair in solidarity. Well, Mas- I'm glad that the people are rising up against this. Yeah. I, I really am glad that it has sparked this kind of outrage because it seems like it's very much needed. Yes. Because I think so often the people in power will try and convince you that like we're protecting what the people want. We're protecting what society wants and expects. And society is saying like, this isn't what we want. Yeah. We want the freedom to be able to choose how we live our own lives. Exactly. Without fear of violence. And they're being retaliated against. It's really, really terrible. And essentially, Masa's family is calling for a further investigation, which appears to be underway. I mean, especially because it's gotten the media coverage that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's a good thing. You know, hopefully the family will get that support and a proper investigation. But it was just such a devastating story. She was so young. She was visiting, you know, that city with her family. She wasn't even from there. She was with her brother. She was only 22 years old. Not that it matters, but she was gorgeous. You know, like there's just so many elements of the story and how sad it is. But at the same time, how heroic for her to stand up to that authority in any sort of way, especially when it's known how dangerous it could be. So I'm not saying that we should all go down like martyrs. But the fact that she used her voice, it sounds like, to defend herself is a very brave thing to do. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes to see this kind of like change or at least expression of wanting change. Yeah. Um, I did also hear that Iran's president or prime minister, I don't know who it is. Okay. He had agreed to an interview, um, I think with an American reporter and canceled it last minute because she refused to wear a head covering (gasps) during the interview. She was like, I'm not going to do that and so he canceled the interview oh my gosh just, I wonder what that interview would have been like you know what I like that it sounds like he 
probably would have done his best to manipulate that interview. Oh, certainly. If he was so easily easily to step away. Right. I mean, and for that reporter, what would it have said to have complied? Yep. In this instance, given 100%. the context of, yes. of this situation, like th- you know what side he lies on when he says something like yeah. that, and that's so disheartening because I, I don't know anything about Iranian politics or anything like that, but I can imagine that the higher ups can do their best to prevent the investigation from being thorough. You know, there are things that could get in the way, and this family truly does deserve as much peace as they can possibly find from this situation. Yeah, I mean, and it goes without saying, obviously, like, you should do whatever you want to do with your body yes. in accordance to whatever beliefs that you have. And, like, this is not a, like, anti-hijab <laughs> stance. It's, no. it's a, like, these are men in power who are using their own religious beliefs to manipulate other people exactly who don't have don't share those exact same beliefs like that and that's not it's never okay it doesn't matter which religion we're talking about here right you know like your choice is your choice if it, it if it's your decision to wear a hijab then that is perfectly right. fine Absolutely. you are more than welcome to do whatever suits your fancy yeah well let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some more news well if we have to <laughs> As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Okay, so we got big uh, podcast adjacent news this week okay. uh, that oh yes we did oh my god why didn't I even think of this Adnan Sayed has been released from can you believe prison. it this is it is such an interesting moment um, because I feel like Serial was like 
the godfather of all podcasts. Like, yeah. I feel like Serial was the podcast that got people interested in, in listening to podcasts. Listening to yeah. podcasts. And it was truly... I mean, we can all remember a worldwide sensation. It, I mean, truly. The first season yeah. of, of Serial. And I remember listening to it and I had so many conversations. So, of course, everybody had an opinion right. on, on Adnan's case. And I do remember coming out of it saying, well, even if he is guilty, mm-hmm. the way that this trial went down exactly was not enough to put a 17-year-old... Away for life for the rest of his life, especially right? having no, you know, prior criminal history. I mean, I guess murder that doesn't really matter, but I mean, it was. I kind of always fell in the same lane because there's a lot of people out there that are very, they very staunchly believe in his innocence, and I'm a fan of a lot of those people. I think a lot of those people are very, very smart, so it's easy for me to kind of like fall into that. But at the same time, I've read something. So it's like, I don't really truly know, but I believe that he was not treated fairly. And I do believe that he can come out and be a well-adjusted, great member of society. I'm a really big fan of Rabia Chaudhry, who oh, is yeah. his friend mm-hmm. slash like lawyer and all I that kind of stuff. I think she's related to him too. I think she's like no, a she was, Well, she was, she's married to someone in his family or something like that, but she's not related by blood, but she's like adjacent. Yeah. Part of the family in some way, shape or form. She's great. She's amazing. She's like super, super amazing. Um, but yeah, this blew my mind because I think it was probably about a year ago. I think it was last summer that they tried to get the case seen in front of a judge again. Yeah. So Do you have notes on that? Okay, me, good. Because I was, I haven't it down. Good. Cause I was going to say, I haven't read into that yet. And I was like, wait, how did this happen? Yeah. I do want to give, um, a lot of the information I got was from a New York mag article. And then also I listened to the day after it happens, I think on Tuesday this week of the New York times podcast, the daily they had on Sarah Koenig who and it was so wild to honestly hear i can't i couldn't stand sarah Koenig. i love her Why? she was so like is it non mad at me he seems really mad oh, at me well, today yes oh my god i just wow come on and non tell me if you did it or not i, I didn't get that impression really i mean I oh were, i feel like it's a really popular opinion people are like she is so whiny i just i listen to it like a couple of times in different like periods of time in my life and the more I listen to her I'm like come grow up I like I, I like Sarah Kane. I'm sure I would love her in person this is the thing this is not a personal attack I didn't like how close and personal she got with him where it seemed like she was blurring some lines with me that I didn't like and I felt like she wanted him to be her boyfriend and it felt weird to me. <laughs> okay, I didn't get that impression. Okay, fine. I, that was how I took it. I feel like, yes, I do feel like she got very personally invested yeah. in his case and in his innocence. And so mad at him um, that he wouldn't tell her these things. I'm like, it's none of your business and he's trying to get appeals and shit and you're just throwing this shit on the internet Sorry, these are my feelings on Sarah Koenig. Yeah, I can tell you feel quite passionately. <laughs> um, oh, right. Didn't think you'd be getting that from me today. It is called your angry neighborhood feminist. Yes. But whatever. Uh, but she was on the daily and I just I it, for me, it was such a. Blast oh, it would from be nostalgic. Past. It was very cool to hear her in her very Sarah Koenig way. Talk about this, um, which I, I, I just personally. 
So on Monday, a judge in Maryland overturned the first degree murder conviction of Adnan Sayed um, for the death of his ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee. So let's break down why he was released. Right. First of all, the motion to vacate was put into motion by the prosecutor's office of all places. So this was not put in. I mean, it was put into motion from his defense team in that they. Put, well, they've been pushing for it for years. Right. For but this particular. Yeah, this motion was like filed by the prosecutor's office. Are there new? Is there like a new DA or a new prosecutor? Or has there been change that would make that happen? So, OK, that you know, so. First of all, I do want to note before moving forward that he's not been fully exonerated. He right. has he's been released. His, he's been released. He is on house arrest for the first like 30 days or something like that. Um, but they are saying that the conviction has to be vacated because the case was mishandled and dishonest. Yeah. They did not investigate fully enough. And the evidence that was relied upon heavily to make the case against Adnan should not have been. Yeah. A year ago in Maryland, a new law came into effect called the Juvenile Restoration Act. Yes. And this act, I think that's what you were talking about, is like a year ago something was happening. It was literally almost exactly a year ago. Oh my gosh, there's a show called Kids Behind Bars, I think. It's Mm -hmm. on Hulu or whatever. And it's it's because of like these laws popping up in different states. Yeah. All of these juvenile offenders are getting their trials like reheard. It's fascinating. of course, it he should was 17, be. And you know, I think that that's how every juvenile offender should be handled, especially in something involving murder and serious violence. I think that checking in on them and seeing their progress, even if they do end up spending the rest of their life in prison, I just think it's important to be able to give them a chance to like finish growing their frontal lobe a little right, bit, you exactly. know? Exactly. So this act in Maryland says that if you have served at least 20 years in prison for a crime you committed when you were a juvenile, you can ask the court to reduce your sentence or release you. So as we said, Adnan was only 17 years old when he was arrested. Mm -hmm. So the day that the law went into effect, his attorney delivered his case to the state attorney's office to review. So prosecutors. Yeah. He was wasting no time. Yeah, no time. The day that it happened, they were counting (laughs) it down. The minute. They were like, okay, three, two, one, bam, paper on the table. The sentencing review unit for the prosecutor's office handled the case and began to look into the facts of the crime. So the officer they handed the case to was a woman named Becky Feldman, who had previously worked as a public defender. Okay. So she knew how to look at these cases through like a defender's eyes she can look at it from both like lenses Mm -hmm. kind of yeah but she worked uh for the sentencing review board for the prosecution nice right which is um, those are the kinds of people you want i was just gonna say i feel like that is a very important quality to have yeah yes to be able to be objective and not just be like i'm a prosecutor i've been a prosecutor all my life i play for this team right like to be able to say like i've been on the other side i'm the good guy i'm the good you know there's always that Mm -hmm. kind of notion as well Mm mm-hmm uh, and while she was reviewing this case, she was like, something doesn't look right. I Did can't. she not listen to Serial? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, something isn't looking right, Jay. Yes. <laughs> so uh, eventually she ended up calling up Adnan's attorney and working with his attorney. Oh, my God. To pick through the prosecution's case. She was <sighs> like, I didn't go into this wanting to dismantle the prosecution's case. It's right. just what happened because right. when because I was something reviewing looked it, fishy. Yeah, I was like, this this doesn't look right. There's not enough information here. Yeah. I love woman. Uh-huh. Knew it. <laughs> Becky Feldman, yeah. Oh, love it. 
Of course. While going through the case file, she finds some, and this was like their smoking gun. She finds some handwritten notes that were written by the prosecutor at Uh the time. Handwritten notes talking about a potential alternate suspect in the case that was never presented to Adnan's defense. They never, we don't know. The names haven't been disclosed yet, but there's actually, there's two. So the notes were written by a prosecutor at the time and detailed two different uh, detail that two different people had called to give information about the same suspect. So one okay. guy, um, the calls for this one suspect came months apart, so they were unrelated. <gasps> there were two different people, oh and this was all prior to Adnan's trial. But oh. these this these tips came in. They accused the person of having a motive to kill Heyman and having threatened to quote make her disappear or kill her. I think it was the boyfriend. We don't know. I truly think it was her boyfriend. They were like, oh, your mom says that you were at Lens Crafters this whole time. We believe your mom. I haven't listened to Serial since it came out. So the details are a little fuzzy. For I me. have wa- well, I watched recently the uh, case, case against, against Adnan, Adnan Syed. Yeah. And I'm a, I listen to TCO when I go to sleep. So sometimes oh, yeah, I wake yeah. up in the middle of the night and I get I get little bits and pieces of a serial coverage or a something or other. So kind of through that time when I'm doing like my mindless listening while I clean and stuff, I it's think been that's absorbed. how. I, yeah, I know a lot about this case through that, and because I, I've like re-listened and re-watched because I, I am so captivated and I wanted to have like Sarah, I'll give her this. I wanted to have a definitive answer for myself. And yes. that's why I've always been so did. curious. Yeah. And it's why these unsolved cases, I love and hate them at the same time because I just want to know. Yeah. Because you otherwise know? you feel unsatisfied. You don't have closure. There's no settle, like mm-hmm. settling in my body with that afterwards. I'm like, but I have to know. And like, it just seemed so unfinished to me. I think it's the boyfriend. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Okay. Uh, so, when the state looked into this suspect, so this one suspect, this first one, um, over the past year, when they were re-examining this case, they found that the suspect was credible. Mm. He had motive, opportunity, and means to kill <laughs> Heyman. And so they had another credible suspect that they never gave Adnan's defense. Yeah, they just well, hid that evidence. Because they they had who they wanted. And right, I, which you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. And it's interesting because I believe this was still in the 90s, right? That this case... Yes. Because, uh-huh. I mean, I think even before 9-11, there was a lot of like Islamophobia oh, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of that tied into it as yeah. well. I think this was 1999. So yes. it was just yeah, before. Yeah. Um, so the fact that the prosecution did not turn this information over to the defense at the time is what's called a Brady violation and it would be cause enough on its own to overturn Adnan's conviction. Yeah. There was another suspect. Like I said, there were two. Um, both men have criminal records, one for a series of sexual assaults and is now in prison for sexual assault. Oh my God. And uh, one of the men has connections with the location where Heyman's car was found. So, at the Best Buy parking lot? Best Buy parking lot. Oh my God. Why? I feel like I'm walking down memory lane a little bit with everything you're saying. Like I'm remembering little things. But because, because you know, there's not any evidence necessarily, like their, their names haven't been publicly released. Because right, they're because like, there's, they're not even like a noted person of interest right, or whatever. But they could become that now that I Adnan, would Adnan's case is being... Love that. In addition to all of that, which is 
enough, everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's all the old information as to how the case was initially handled. The state's main evidence at trial was faulty at best. The prosecution's star witness, Jay Wilde's story, constantly changed. Yep. The prosecution knew that at the time, but told the jury that even though Jay may not seem the most reliable, they had cell phone tower evidence to back up his testimony. Talk about that cell tower mm-hmm. evidence, baby. Right. I feel like how many times when listening to Serial were they like, the, the cell records. Yes, they talk about it a million times. And did it mean anything? Absolutely not. Yep. I mean, it turns out that at the time, even the stack of cell tower records when they were handed over to the police yep. said any incoming calls will not be reliable information for location. And I'm pretty sure the AT&T guy either was in a documentary I watched or was on the stand at some point who even stated that because I know that it was the cell phone tower information that they've been using to try to get their appeal for years. Yes, yeah, it is. But the jurors at the time were like, we didn't really trust Jay, but the prosecution kept saying, but the cell phone tower records, like you have to trust, it's it's And it's science, it's on paper. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The motion to have Adnan's conviction vacated also pointed out that one of the two main detectives on the case, Bill Ritz, had been accused of misconduct for another murder case Mm. that went to trial the same year as Adnan's. In that case, he was accused of manipulating evidence, fabricating evidence, and not disclosing evidence that could hurt the prosecution's case. In 2016, the person that was convicted in that case was exonerated. Holy Titsicles. They have just like stuff on stuff on stuff. So because of all of this, the, the state had to admit that their case had been faulty and were forced to vacate Adnan's conviction. They have 30 days to file for a new trial, but chances are Adnan will never be tried again for the murder of Heyman Lee and will remain a free man after spending over half his life in prison. I am so happy for him and his family. I am happy for him as well. I'm just going to wrap this up with one thing, though. Okay. Because I feel like it, it has can't to be said. all be sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. No, of course not. Not on this show. <laughs> I feel like we just need to quickly touch on the fact that this happens way too much in our country. Yeah. Our criminal justice system is a mess, yeah. as we have often said. Um, and it's one of the reasons that I don't believe in the death penalty is yeah. because this kind of thing happens so yeah. often. That's at the top of my list. Yeah. Adnan is the 23rd man in Baltimore alone to have his murder conviction thrown out because of official misconduct. And that is just one city. city. So think about how often that happens in the entire country. Yeah. Adnan's lawyers tried again and again to get the state to reexamine things that they knew to be faulty, like the cell phone records. And they attempted to file appeals in 2010 and 2014, both of which were denied. Yeah. And look at all of this stuff we have. But the system is not set up. Once you're convicted, it's not set up to let you out right You're stuck getting that overturned is really really difficult true so he is an anomaly it's the combination of the fact that his case was the subject of a nationwide obsession Certainly. due to serial and also subsequent tv specials and this new law happened to come into effect in his city Certainly. that provided him with this opportunity to be released there are tens of thousands of wrongfully convicted people rem- who remain in prison across the United States, and because they're anonymous and underrepresented, they will likely stay there for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I mean, a great 
resource is the Innocence Project. Yeah. And I've also started listening to, not to keep talking about the Obsessed Network stuff because we're not on their network, but there's a show called um, Unjust and Unsolved. Mm-hmm. And I love the host and she's really great because she's worked with the Innocence Project in the past and all this kind of stuff. But she focuses each week on a different incarcerated individual who claims that they're innocent and she does a lot of vetting beforehand to make sure that they're really people that she wants to focus her time and energy on. And um, yeah, it's they're really powerful stories because it is so sad to think about all of the lives that have been wasted yeah. because of the system just completely bombarding them. And there's so many different reasons for this to happen to people. And people have this idea that it's like, especially with false confessions where it's like, well, if you didn't do it, why would you say you did? (laughs) And there's so much more to it. And I think that humans are just so much more complex than that. Yes. And we have to have a better understanding of that in our judicial system for it to become more fair. And we have to start with getting rid of the death penalty everywhere. I agree. Because it just, it leaves, it leaves no room for error. Right. Yes, I agree completely. And, you know, also, especially when dealing with minors, like I just think that having this kind of like lock them up and throw away the key approach to a 17 year old is so cruel in a way that feels archaic to me. Like it feels medieval to me. Certainly. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think that it, I believe that it definitely should depend on the offense, but I definitely don't believe that life imprisonment for someone who is under 18 should be allowed. At, at least without Give any, us some parole. Yeah, without any know? review is, yeah. is kind of the thing. Is like, if there are truly dangerous people out there who truly. are dangerous by the time they're 17 yes. and will remain dangerous for the rest of their lives. Especially right? if they're not given help when yeah. they're juveniles, yes. you know? That can happen, right? But like, to just say this is it. You're convicted. We're done. We're never, we're never going to look at you again. We're and never going to re-examine this. sucks, and I just remember this, is like if you're sent to life in prison or if you're on death row, you're not given the same opportunities necessarily for like schooling, yeah. you know, work oh, yeah. responsibilities, things like that, because they've given up on you. They know you're never going to get out. They don't have to prepare you for anything. So they're not giving you a fulfilling life even while you're in prison right like you can even call it that you know I'm so happy you know there was that video clip that went viral of like Adnan going into his parents refrigerator and taking out leftovers and like eating leftovers out of the fridge and like that's such a heartwarming moment it's such a normal thing it's such a normal thing that he hasn't gotten to experience and I just I'm so happy for his family uh and for him but I do wonder, like, how difficult is it going to be for him to reassimilate and acclimate himself to life on the outside? I mean, I think that he's had enough people in his life that his, like, socialization might be better because I think that there are so many people that he interacts with that were outside. Um, but I think that it's always going to be tough because you're going to have the naysayers. You don't have oh, the yeah. job experience, the education. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, again, because of his publicity and everything. feels like the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that that can help him. Mm -hmm. And that's not a negative thing. I think that the support that he got throughout his time in prison will hopefully continue at least for right now. You know, and I have seen some like funds that have been started by the family to help support Adnan. His mom is ill, I've heard. So there's, you know, a lot of attention on them for that. But I also just wanted to mention, you know, Heyman Lee's family is a little bit indifferent about this situation. Yeah, her brother um, 
commented. Made a very heart-wrenching statement. It's it's sad. You know, he he said that he believes in the justice system and if this is getting a second look then then so be it you know yeah. i don't think but i, don't I think, think a lot he, of his- he feel i don't think her brother feels like it's a lock the door situation no but he did say like every time we think this is over it just keeps happening and yeah. it's traumatizing and it hurts and we're ready and for it not to be enough over. attention has been put on Heyman Lee yeah. and not enough attention has been put on other suspects or anything yeah. else. The attention truly has been on Adnan. Yeah. And so I just wanted to mention that because I think it's important to keep your thoughts with Heyman Lee's family oh, as well family. because they deserve to know who killed their daughter as well. Well, and imagine if they are having doubts about Adnan at this point, imagine you've you've put that to rest in in a way or like you had pre right previous to serial coming out you know and having to open your mind back up to the idea that whoever killed your daughter might or definitely is is not in prison that's re-traumatizing for sure and to think that they've been out all this time what else have they done i mean yeah i don't think that i would be able to wrap my head around that Yes. Which is why I wouldn't blame them for still thinking that right. Adnan did it. Because I think that sometimes we have to do what we have to the do mind to support itself. ourselves. Yeah, yeah and exactly. they've already dealt with it. They've already wrapped their heads around the idea of Adnan having done it. And so yeah. I don't know the feeling of the rest of the family. The brother's the only one who really made a public statement. I just heard things so, like throughout the years and stuff yeah. that they, you know. During Serial, I know they still very much believed that Adnan did it. Yeah. But um, now I don't know, given all of the new evidence. And yeah. maybe they're swayed by the fact that there was evidence against other people that There's was never be- presented. What so if there's we'll a serial season three? Uh, uh, I never listened to S Town. I wasn't interested. Oh, I listened um, to S Town. I was liked it good. It. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll go back and listen to it. Um, I got a piece. So let's wrap this yep, thing wrap up. up. Okay, sounds good. Um, if there are any news stories that you want us to cover in the future, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us at angry neighborhood feminist on Instagram with your ideas. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. If you want some of our merch, you can go to the link in the show notes. And last but not least, if you haven't left us a review yet, please go to your Apple Podcast app and leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It truly helps us a whole lot. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? (laughs) Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.